Chelsea King's disappearance a decade ago gripped the region. The 17-year-old had gone for an after-school run around Lake Hodges in North County. There, she ran into a rapist and killer. Within months, the college-bound runner who loves sunflowers became the name of legislation targeting sex predators who target children. She became the inspiration behind the annual run, and she became the face of a foundation that has awarded $800,000 in college scholarships. And on Tuesday, the 10th anniversary of her kidnapping, rape, and murder, Chelsea's father has announced he will launch Protect the Joy, which is said to be a national advocacy organization addressing issues that affect children, including sexual assault, gun violence, opioid abuse, and cyberbullying. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Terry Figueroa, you're a part of the public safety team at the Union-Tribune, and 10 years ago, a tragedy struck North County, and now we're reflecting on what's happened in the past decade Let's start at the beginning. What happened to Chelsea King? Oh, this case is such a tragedy. Chelsea King was a 17-year-old high school senior. Um, By all accounts, an amazing, amazing girl. Um, And she was a track runner, and she went out for a run um, one day and disappeared. Mm -hmm. She went to a a lake up by Escondido. And um, it soon turned out that... that, uh, Investigators quickly came to believe that something um, bad had happened, and um, they soon determined that she um, had been attacked. And it wasn't long after that that they were able to piece together that that the suspected assailant was a registered sex offender. But it turned out that this was not the first time that this had happened here a year earlier, a young woman named Amber, uh, a young teenager, 14-year-old girl named Amber Dubois had gone missing. And it was just a complete mystery. The, she was walking to school on the day before Valentine's Day in 2009 and just vanished. No one knew what happened. And her, her case was a mystery until Chelsea was also taken. Chelsea, they were able to solve pretty quickly because they were able to find evidence of DNA um, in the search for her. They found some of her clothing items, and they found um, the killer's DNA on it. They quickly arrested that person. His name was John Gardner III. And not long after he went into custody, his attorneys asked him, you know, we don't know if you have anything to do with this other young lady that that disappeared, this 14-year-old, but this is the time to tell us if so. And he said yes. I do know what happened to her. And uh, quickly thereafter, he led investigators to her body as well. So now we have two young women who were raped and killed by this registered sex offender. This case ended pretty quickly. Um, He ultimately um, was able to take a plea deal where he pleaded guilty to two counts of murder and, and rape, um, in exchange for life without the possibility of parole. And he was also um, pleaded guilty to a third case on that same trail where Chelsea had gone missing around Lake Hodges. There had been another young woman um, who was attacked, and she fought off her assailant. And um, he pleaded guilty to attempted rape in her case as well. So that was an additional 25 to life on top of his two life sentences without parole. So, so Mr. Gardner is... Uh, in prison and will be. Mm-hmm. So 
during that year from Amber Dubois to Chelsea King, what was it like, you know, in San Diego County? Because those two events close to each other, I imagine, had a real impact on the community. Well, you know, it's interesting. Amber's disappearance, it, it was, it was, investigators had nothing. Mm-hmm. They had no witnesses who saw anything. She was walking to school, and she had a $200 check in her pocket because that was the day she was going to buy a lamb for her um, for her future farmer's project. Mm-hmm. And she just disappeared, and nobody knew what to make of it. Police didn't even know if maybe there was a chance that she was a runaway. It, it was just she just vanished. And so her name was out there. Her photos were certainly out there. They were... Um, posters of her all over North County. But it was just sort of, it, there was no no huge community uprise because nobody really knew what happened. Mm-hmm. But when a year later, see, Amber was February 13th, 2009, and Chelsea disappeared February 25th, 2010. But this time there were clues. This time they knew that she had been at this lake. Her car was there. Her phone was in her car. Witnesses had seen her witnesses had seen Gardner on that same path area. And key, they found her clothing with his DNA on it. And he was already in the system because he was a registered sex offender. So they pretty quickly made an arrest in that case. And once they made an arrest, the the case moved pretty quickly. But from the time that she went missing until the time that that they found her clothing and, and arrested him, it was just a couple of days. But during that time, all eyes were on Lake Hodges. There was, you know, several people turned out to to help search, and and there was a real sense that something was very wrong here. Yeah, I imagine that whole time, it probably felt just incredibly suspicious as like those, you know, small clues are being found. Yeah, and and, and it was a heartbreak for 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 the whole community, and they arrested um, her assailant before they found her. She was she was you know still there at at, at the lake area. When John Gardner uh, took authorities to uh, Amber, her her resting place, uh, she was up in remote Paula, and uh, it finally solved the mystery of what had happened to her. She had been walking to school, and she had taken just a bit of a different route, and it was a little more um, secluded. Mm-hmm. And he just was driving by, and he saw her, and he forced her into the car. So it answered the question of what had happened to Amber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the community got kind of two pieces of closure at the same time once uh, the man was arrested. So following this tragedy, local leaders decided to do something about it. When you explain, what is Chelsea's law? So in the wake of this happening, um, and it was, like I said, pretty clear pretty quickly um, on that this was a, a registered sex offender who was involved, and he was already in the system, his DNA. Um her family wanted to start pushing for legislation, um, something in her name that would target people, predators mm-hmm. who target children, sex predators who target children. And ultimately, um, they reached out to then-assemblyman, now uh, county supervisor Nathan Fletcher, and asked him to back this legislation that would somehow target child sex predators. Uh, and it was a tough ask at that time because, you know, the, the state was 
in a budget crisis, this was 2010, mm-hmm. the um, state prison system was in uh, federal receivership, and there was this, you know, bill that they wanted to pass that would keep, you know, certain people in, in longer. So there was a, a, a lot of um, work that had to go into this bill, and um, uh, Assemblyman, now Supervisor Fletcher, um, told me that he spent just seven months just straight working on this. His office, they met on it every night. They, you know, it, it was a lot of of um, politicking and meeting with folks and reaching across the aisle and red-eye flights. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, they were able to pull together um, what is Chelsea's law. And it was signed into uh, law by Governor, then-Governor Schwarzenegger, in September of 2010. Now, essentially what Chelsea's law does, like I said, it, it targets child predators, sex offenders. Mm-hmm. One of the things that it does is it, it ratchets up the, the punishments for people who are convicted of forcible sex crimes against children. And it also calls for um, sex offenders to be screened for future risk, you know, most sex offenders. And it also has a very rare provision it calls for life without the possibility of parole for certain um, forcible sex offenses, the most serious, of course. But it is the rare case where a defendant is looking at life without the possibility of parole for something other than a murder. Mm-hmm. So it essentially kind of puts these crimes in another tier where that, that they previously weren't. Um, yeah, it, it really, it's it's one... There are one-strike laws, and, and there were other other things, but this um, really, like I said, ratchets up some of the punishments for those on the books. And it has been used. Here in San Diego County, the di- district attorney's office has filed 275-plus cases over the last decade um, with Chelsea's Law as mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the charges or, or one of the, the elements of, of what they're bringing. Mm-hmm. And and it is and, and the the chief of the the sex crimes and, and human trafficking unit told me it is the law that that you know they use it in cases where it's super serious and the defendant is you know deserving of the most severe punishments. Mm-hmm. And from the perspective of prosecutors and elected officials, would they say that this law is a, is a success? Well, they certainly used it. Uh, uh, in speaking with with Brent King, who's Chelsea's father, and he has, he was certainly one of the main advocates for the law for his his daughter. He said that the state um, has so far charged uh, about 2,500 defendants um, using using this law. So it is certainly something that has um, been used and made its way into the court. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's been a decade since these tragic events. Uh, where where uh, does uh, Chelsea's family now stand? Because it it's clear that they were more you know active in trying to make a political change following this tragedy? They were. Um, and, you know, there was very, very, very soon after this horrible, horrible tragedy, um, her family was able to establish a foundation that they called Chelsea's Light Foundation. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to, you know, raise money for college scholarships. And, and they have. They've raised over $800,000 or roughly $800,000 in college scholarships over the last uh, decade. They've awarded that much to San Diego County students. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there was also some of the, the fundraisers that would go along with that was uh, uh, something that was called Finish Chelsea's Run. And that actually started really as a small, you know, right after this happened back in 2010, a group of folks, you know, they, they were going to get together and they were going to finish Chelsea's run. Mm-hmm. And you know, organizers expected, you know, several dozen people would show up, but more than 3,000 people showed up. And uh, eventually the event was moved down to Balboa Park. And the last time that they had this in 2018, there was 8,000 people who turned out to finish Chelsea's run and, and raise money for these scholarships. But the event just, it just, the family decided that they needed to turn their attention elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. They still absolutely have Chelsea's Foundation, but they're not doing the run anymore. Um, as of today, in fact, uh, Brent King tells me that they have launched what is called Protect the Joy. And it is an organization that's designed to be um, an advocacy organization. Think like um, Sierra Club. Mm-hmm. Um, or AARP, where um, they advocate, in this case, they advocate on issues that affect children, whether those issues be sexual violence or gun violence or opioid addiction or bullying. Those are some of the, of the types of issues that, that they will lobby for legislation to address issues that affect and harm children. And is this organization meant to be just focused in California, or will it be national? This is actually uh, a national plan. Uh, this, is, this is a national um, organization that, that uh, they have, have created. Mm-hmm. And since the announcement, do they have any short-term goals of membership or fundraising? So what they're, what they're doing is um, this would be um, a membership organization where membership would be $10 a month, and that would help with the, you know, uh, the advocacy, help to fund the advocacy mm-hmm. that they'd like to do. And, you know, Brent King told me that for him, when he saw the kids at, he told me this a couple of years ago, um, when Parkland, when the shooting happened in Parkland, Florida, mm-hmm. and he saw those students really getting out there, really using their voices and advocating, he just, he just thought that was remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does seem like recently youth activism has really kind of gotten more attention and more traction than it has in the past. It certainly has. And, and, you know, this Protect the Joy is an an organization that, you know, is designed to advocate um, for legislation that will benefit children. I would say that this case, um, Chelsea and Amber's case, really affected the community. And um, people do remember those those horrible days in, in after Chelsea went missing and, and after Amber was found, it, it really did affect this community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine the, the terror that parents must have felt, and children, of course, during that time. Yeah, it is, it is the scariest thing, the stranger in the bushes. Yeah, and it still remains such a heart, heartbreaking case. And even now, you know, their, their names are still part of, of San Diego County forever. If you're driving out by the um, the safari park, you'll see that the there's a Amber Dubois Memorial Highway. And if you're driving um, across the uh, bridge on the uh, the Interstate 15 over Lake Hodges, Chelsea's Chelsea's name is on that bridge. Mm-hmm. All right, Terry Figueroa, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. In other news. 
California released an audit on Tuesday sharply criticizing the California lottery, saying it has shortchanged schools by millions of dollars during the last four years, and recommended the money be repaid. The auditor wrote the lottery failed to provide $36 million that should have gone to education in the fiscal year that ended in June 2018. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the Flash Briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.